Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, and we call the show Drilling Deep because oil needs to be drilled for us to get it. And we talk here about oil, and we talk about diesel, and we talk about other energy stuff. So that's how the show got its name. We also drill deep with a guest of the week, and it's a fun one this week. Ryder Systems recently signed up a pro golfer as part of its marketing, and that golfer's name is Sam Ryder, same name as the company. It's a funny and entertaining story about how they got together, and we will talk about it with Ryder's Stephanie Wiki in just a few moments. So the diesel consuming industry got a real curveball this week. Thursday morning, it was announced that oil giant BP was buying Travel Centers of America, known more colloquially as TA. While there were plenty of guesses as to why, don't kid yourself, nobody really saw this coming. A major oil company buying a truck stop chain? That sort of thing might have happened 60 or 70 years ago. It's really a form of integration, and that isn't what oil companies have been doing. Most of them have shed their refining operations in recent years. For example, the former refining operations of ConocoPhillips are now in a separate company known as Phillips 66. Marathon split into Marathon Oil, which drills for oil and other hydrocarbons, and Marathon Petroleum, which refines it. Their retail outlets are working on a franchise model they generally aren't owned. BP and the other big majors like Chevron, ExxonMobil, and Shell have been an exception to this trend to reverse to, to reverse integration. They produce oil, they refine it, and in the case of BP, it is sold through BP branded convenience stores as well as other outlets. When it talks about when BP talks about its five great pillars of its transition away from producing oil, convenience is one of them. And convenience stores have that name for a reason. In its statement announcing the acquisition, a few things do jump out. First of all, BP is paying about an 84% premium to where TA stock closed at Wednesday. They are bidding $86 per share, and this purchase is, is, this purchase is occurring after the completion of a process where TA sought a possible acquirer. So it's not like BP swooped in with a surprise offer. This is all agreed to, and barring some incredible change, it is going to go through. So with oil companies getting out of the retail business, actually they kind of got out a long time ago, why does BP jump in with two feet? BP's statement is, as I mentioned, that they have a five-pronged approach toward the energy transition. One thing they're not going to do is spend a lot of money drilling for new oil supplies. But in those five things, as I mentioned, is a category called convenience. And while TA would certainly not be considered a convenience store, there are aspects to it that are similar. Also, the other prongs at BP in this five-part plan involve things like renewable energy. So BP apparently can envision TA as being a charging center, or maybe someday fueling hydrogen-powered trucks. Emphasis there on someday. As I read this to you, I don't know some things. I don't know if the TA name, name is going away. I don't know if BP will keep all its restaurant deals at its stations or bring in relationships that it has at its convenience stores. But I do know that if you bought TA stock at about $10 in 2019, you are cashing out with a very nice return. I also know that this is the last publicly traded truck stock company PTA is, and I will miss their earnings report. It has some good stuff in there about fuel margins, and you could see that in the last year, the selling of fuel at TA was just about a license to print money. About 88 to 90 percent of TA sales are diesel. So those margin numbers for fuel, they would give the margin numbers for fuel in total, not break out gasoline and diesel. Those margin numbers were mostly making money on diesel. 
somebody I know in the fuel business said that in fuels, you need to go big or go home. He said, BP used to be big, but recently they aren't. But with a TA acquisition, they are going to be buying either the second or third biggest diesel retailer in the country. Pilot Flying J is first, and Loves and TA are second and third. Loves is a private company, so precisely what their numbers are, I'm not really sure. Whatever the outcome, this is a very big deal for diesel consumers, and it's going to be fun to watch what happens. We're going to move on here now on Drilling Deep. You know, I got a press release recently from Rider Systems, and when I first looked at it, I thought, nah, I don't think I'm going to write about it, not much here. And then I read it again, and I thought a little more, and I decided that my initial decision was so completely wrong that not only did I write a story about the subject for Freight Waves, but I also decided to have the subject matter on as a discussion here on Drilling Deep. I don't want to take too much away from what our guest today is going to tell us. She is Stephanie Wicke, Vice President of Marketing at Rider Systems. So let's try to summarize why I found this story so great. There is a hole in golf like no other. It is the 16th hole at TPC Sawgrass in Scottsdale, Arizona. The hole itself is a nice hole. It's a par three. I've played it. But it is like no other hole in golf because when the course hosts the Waste Management Phoenix Open every Super Bowl weekend, they align the hole with grandstands, and it's just a giant frat party. Lots of drinking, lots of yelling, everything you're not supposed to do around pro golfers. It is just insane. I'm going to stop right now and turn it over to Stephanie. First of all, Stephanie, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. So I want to, I'm, I want you to tell the story about what happened a year ago at the tournament that led Ryder to do a, a few things in its marketing program and what caught my eye. All right. Awesome. Well, first of all, I'm glad you reconsidered uh, the interest of our press release. <laughs> we also think it's it's pretty uh, cool, uh, the partnership that we have uh, bonded with Sam Ryder. So about a year ago at Waste Management, um, Sam Ryder, who is, uh, you know, a, a Probably not the best known uh, PGA golfer, but a, a up and comer, I would call him, um, hit that uh, hole in one on the 16th hole and it caught a lot of people's attention. Now, interestingly enough for us, we had um, probably about a year prior to that started really talking about the possibilities of doing a sponsorship in the sports world. Uh, we were really drawn to golf because our target audience very much over indexes um, for, you know, viewers of golf. Uh, and so we started talking back and forth about this um, right around, um, I would say, uh, right before the hole in one, Sam was taking a flight um, across the U.S. and he got on the plane and he helped uh, a woman with her baggage, putting it in the overhead before he sat down next to her. And when he sat down next to her, they striked up a conversation because he was so generous to help her out. Um, and in their conversations, um, she learned that Sam was a professional golfer and that his last name was Ryder. Well, she just so happens to be um, very good friends with my boss, our chief marketing officer, Karen Jones. So after the flight, she said to Sam, you know what? You are such a nice guy. I would love it if I could maybe um, give your name and your contact information to Karen Jones, who's the CMO over at Ryder. Maybe there's something that could happen there. So he said, yeah, that would be awesome. He gave his personal cell phone to her and she passed it along to Karen. So the hole in one happens. And Karen, actually, it was really funny. Um, she hadn't made a move yet on, on Sam's phone number, but when that happens, um, our CEO, Robert Sanchez and the president of our supply chain division, uh, Steve Sensing both reached out to her immediately and they were like, 
Sam Ryder, have we thought about Sam Ryder? And so she thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she um, called him up and had like an awesome conversation and the partnership, you know, started there. And, you know, the great thing for us about Sam is that he just checks the box for us on so many things um, as far as what we were looking for and, and somebody to sponsor. I mean, of course, we wanted a great athlete, but we also really wanted somebody who just was very much ingrained in things that are valuable to us. And Sam just, he really is. So it's, it's, you know, it was serendipitous, I'd say. So it's a great story. You really do have to see the hole in one to, to really appreciate the craziness of this hole and, and really what kind of solidified Sam. So let's take a look at that video right now. We mean it. Take one more look at this. Sam Ryder, 124 yards. We just talked about So, Stephanie, that, that is a that is a great story. You wonder if he hadn't gotten the hole in one, do you think he would have signed him anyway? You know, I I think probably um, in our discussions we would have reached out. Now, I don't know. Um, I think Sam sold himself to us after that. I think the hole in one really like increased the the um, the velocity with which we decided to move on things because obviously that got a lot of news. And, you know, so Sam was starting to kind of make a little bit more of a name for himself. But, um, you know, I think, like I said, there's just so much about his personality that was such a good fit for us um, that I think eventually we would have ended up there anyway. So I think the lesson here is not necessarily you need to have a hole in one to succeed because not everybody has a hole in one. I've been playing golf for a long time and still don't have one. Uh, but the, the lesson could be that to Always help somebody with their luggage if you can, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the lesson is um, you need to be kind and generous on flights, much more than the hole in one. <laughs> right, okay. so, so, how long does a process like this take um, to to then sign up somebody and decide what they're going to do? I mean, for a golfer, look, the obvious thing uh, because of his name is that he's going to wear a shirt that's got the Ryder logo on it. But what else is in the deal? Yeah, so you know, sponsorships um, for uh, sports. Um, members can range from anything. Typically what you're, what you as a company are signing on for is somehow having your brand being able to be shown on that player when they're playing. So obviously that was um, a no brainer that we would have our logo on Sam's Jersey. Um, but I think that the thing um, with what we did, we took it a little bit of a step farther. So what you can do is you can do a sponsorship with an athlete and, and you can um, sponsor them. There's a contract term for the amount of time that you sponsor them from, and you could just do that logo and you could call it a day because you're getting, you know, viewership and eyes and impressions through that. For us, we created an entire activation plan and we did it for a couple different reasons. Um, as I've said before, you know, Sam is an up and comer, but I would not say that Sam Ryder is a household name. Um, obviously, you know, Sam doesn't um, rank in tournaments to be on TV all the time. So having that logo on his um, on his shirt is, is great for us, but we don't always know that we're going to get, you know, time on actual television with that. So we really wanted to create an activation plan around him to just kind of blow this thing out a little bit more. Um, and it was also an opportunity for Ryder to be able to show a little bit more of our humorous personal side. We don't do that a lot. Um, a lot of the marketing, uh, that we do is really focused on sort of our technical ability. Um, so this was just a place to be able to connect us a little bit more with our target audience. Um, so we um, signed for him. Our contract is about two and a half years. Um, and then we, you know, into the contract, we signed that he would um, be in commercials for us, um, that we would have rights to social media with him, um, that we would have numerous times to have press releases and, you know, contact the media about the partnership. 
Um, we would speak on our behalf about the partnership. Sam could speak on the behalf of himself and us on the partnership. Um, and then farther than that, uh, you know, we also have um, some cool activation that we're doing at events. So we've created a three-hole putt-putt golf course. Um, and Sam Ryder is um, playing a large role of getting putting advice at that um, course, which just, again, ties more to the partnership. So we have lots of different ways that we're taking it to market. And this is year one of that. So I'm hoping to be able to expand on that year year two. Now, let's point out that your reference to the humorous part is the ads, which I've looked at. And they you'll have to really everybody should go look at themselves. Uh, but they involve Sam Ryder walking along the course, wondering why Ryder's system is interested in him. And, oh, by the way, is it only because I got that hole in one in Phoenix? So they are, they are humorous ads and they, they kind of do play to the whole idea of, you know, we didn't sign up the greatest golfer in the world. We signed up a, as you point, up and coming golfer. And let's also note that earlier this year, I did go back and look at his record um, and he did finish like tied for fourth or fifth at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Punch, which is a big tournament. Uh, on the course at uh, La Jolla there where uh, uh, Tiger Woods learned to play. So I don't know, did, did you had you rolled that out? I guess not because I just wrote the story two weeks ago. Uh, how did he do this past weekend in Phoenix? Um, he did well. He played well. Um, actually, at Torrey Pines, he, um, we hadn't rolled it out yet, but he actually did have an interview where he talked about the partnership because we had already had our logo on him. Um, we you did, okay. Yeah, we we did. We dropped the, the press release and uh, uh, officially announced it um, last week. Um, so, but we had, we had the logo on him, I think for his, his last two, his last two tournaments. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he played, he played well at waste management. Did you, did you go out and watch him? Um, I did not personally, but I had two members of my team and we actually had, um, several of our leadership and customers, uh, went to the event. We had tickets actually at the 16th hole. So, um, yeah, it, was a, it was a really cool event. Those might be the hottest ticket in sports. It might yeah, really might be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> they did change the rules. I don't know if you know this. This year, after Sam's hole-in-one last year, there were so many uh, beer cams being, <laughs> being checked down. They worried about safety. So they did change it where now you can only get drinks in these, like, open green cups. <laughs> um, it's crazy. So well, let's talk about marketing. You know, I was actually on the uh, earnings call with analysts uh, that your CEO, Robert Sanchez, had a few years ago when he said something uh, about we, we're really going to up our game here in advertising and marketing, get our name out there a little more. In fact, I went over to one of my colleagues or I contacted one of my colleagues and said, hey, are you aware of this? And he said, yeah, we've, we've already been in touch. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, Ryder does do a fair amount of marketing and advertising with Freightways. But, you know, how does a company that I won't call it an industrial company, but, you know, it's obviously not a consumer good um, approach more like consumer marketing because you've got a product that the average person is never going to buy. But if your ad hits one person who buys, like it's worth it. So talk about that kind of approach. Yeah. So, you know, B2B marketing is it's interesting because I would say um, historically people have thought that the strategy of B2B marketing needs to be so incredibly different than the strategy of B2C marketing. Um, and it's really not. Uh, the difference in the strategies are how you target. So it is B2B is a very uh, it's a scalpel like targeting. You're going after a very specific uh, part of the market, um, not just every single person. But that being said, you still want to hit them with the same message uh, as if they were buying normal consumer goods because people make decisions in business the same way they make their own personal decisions based off of, you know, what they, uh, you know, relate to um, when they're watching advertising and marketing. So, um, you know, our messaging is about the value that we bring. 
Um, and like I said, with this campaign, we were really allowed to sort of try to target and get to that more um, human side of what we do. At the end of the day, what we do um, in supply chain is is get the goods that every single person needs to them. And so every single thing you touch during your day from the you know milk you put in your cereal to the newspaper you read to, you know, um, the shirt you put on your back is somehow gotten to you by a supply chain. Um, so we, what we, you know, what we do is very relatable, but like you said, I think there's a lot of technology involved with it, a lot of technical talk involved with it. So, um, we were just happy to be able to have a campaign that we could bring back sort of that human element to it. I think though, um, to your point about us investing more in marketing, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but, uh, Karen, our CMO, uh, who's my boss, when she came to the company, uh, a little over nine years ago, that was the first chief marketing officer writer had ever had. Um, so at that point, Robert really and the board had made an investment um, to try to you know, grow the company more. And in order to do that, you need a growth engine and marketing really is a growth engine. You know, What we do in our campaigns is super important, but just the way that we position the company and the way that we look at strategically where we want to go um, and we're able to message that to the marketplace through everything we do and everything we touch is important for a company like ours so that we can stay relevant and the people who are making decisions about their supply chain. Do you find marketing a company like yours a little bit of a challenge because you've got you've got three divisions, one which is about half the company and that's your traditional truck and vehicle leasing. Then you've got a supply chain solutions, which is essentially like a logistics software operation. Um, I shouldn't say logistics software, you know, logistics operation for your customers. And then a dedicated division where you really do their transportation. And that combines about 50%. Um, do you have a challenge in that your your leasing division is so well known? There are vehicles all over the road, essentially a, you know, a, a rolling advertisement for what you do, that getting people to know those other two parts is challenging? Yeah, 100%. And again, that's why more investment in, in, in marketing was really something that we needed to take the strategic direction of the company, which was to grow our supply chain and our dedicated side of the, the company more. Um, and we needed to invest in that, in that messaging, because if you were to ask any person on the road or, or on the street um, that you met, what what rider is, if they knew who we were, they would say, oh, it's a truck, it's a truck rental company. <laughs> Um, and that is because that's where the majority of, you know, our dollars used to go in marketing and we had a consumer side of that business. So it was much easier to sort of make a name for what it was we did. Um, but again, you know, with what we're trying to evolve um, the company moving forward, we really are. We're investing in our um, growth of technology and innovation. We're investing in our supply chain and our transportation side of the of the company and being more of that, um, you know, I would say A to Z for logistical needs to our customers. Um, it's not that our leasing and our um, you know transactional fleet management side of the business is going anywhere. It's just that we have a different focus on um, prioritizing you know the supply chain side. So yes, it's it's been a challenge. Um, I wish I could say that you know it was it was an easy thing to do, um, but again, we are um, publicly traded and we have to uh, be careful on where we invest. And so we're doing um, the best we can uh, to make sure we get this message out. Well, so beyond Sam Ryder, what have been some of your primary uh, advertising channels? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so for the um, sort of awareness around supply chain, uh, when COVID happened, um, I think that everybody was aware that the supply chain just kind of locked up and supply chain became a household term. I think that, you know, when people couldn't get the goods that they needed, toilet paper, 
Um, they all of a sudden realized that there were such things as supply chains. Um, so we took that opportunity and jumped on it and invested quickly in a campaign that we call Ever Better. Uh, my team actually flew all over the U.S. in the middle of uh, COVID and um, shot and filmed our commercials on their own. We created the campaign in a three-month time frame, which if you're not in marketing and advertising, uh, you probably wouldn't know this, but that's a really quick timeline to uh, develop an entire uh, TV campaign and print campaign. Um, and we launched that at the end of the year in August um, uh, 21. And um, that has been running successfully since then. And it has done a great job with brand recognition around the supply chain side of our business. Um, we've created um, a really healthy pipeline out of it. Um, and we're continuing that campaign even into this year. Um, so that's one thing TV and print wise, uh, where we spend most of our resources in marketing is really on the digital side. So um, I would say before COVID, what was most successful for us was um, account-based marketing, which is, again, very targeted marketing uh, where we go after a specific account and the decision makers. Um, and we did a lot of dimensionals, so sending out packages to them um, that had cool ways of getting our message out. When COVID happened and people weren't in their office anymore, we really couldn't do that. Um, and so we realized that we needed to invest more um, on our digital side. Um, we brought in a awesome, awesome uh, lead for our digital team, and she's heading up websites as well. We're rebuilding our website and we'll launch our new website this year. Um, so we've just, we put a lot of investment in um, creating a customer journey online for our prospects. Let me go back to Sam Ryder for a minute because, and this is kind of in this in line with what you're speaking about now. I, I operating in the assumption, I just jumped to conclusions that this idea might have come primarily like from an advertising agency. Uh, maybe I'm assuming you have an outside a, a, advertising agency. So uh, hearing your story about it all being generated internally by a chance meeting on an airplane and then other discussions is kind of interesting to me. When you went to the advertising agency with this idea, well, obviously, ultimately, their reaction was good because you did it. But what was their initial reaction? So, John, my team internally will be so uh, pleased that you think that we use an agency. But we actually um, don't have a agency of record right now. We do have a media agency that helps us beat uh, to book media. When we had the Sam Ryder idea, um, it was a internal generated. We um, kind of put together um, the activation plan with the media agency, which is Hunter Blue is the agency's name. Um, and when we decided we were gonna go ahead and do the commercials, we did hire an outside um, creative director and producer to assist um, Sonny Lang, who is my, my creative lead on the team in developing the campaign itself. Um, the, the, um, the company that, or the gentleman, I should say, um, Rich, that we hired, um, had worked with Sonny in a previous life at an agency, and he does a lot of uh, creative for the PGA and the LPGA. So he really knew how to do this. And one of the things that he um, was super, super, I would just say, beneficial to us in utilizing him is that he understands how these athletes sort of work in these settings and how to warm them up and how to get them sort of loose so that they're able, they're not actors, you know, they're not actors. So um, he did a fantastic job. I mean, Sam was a natural. I will say that Sam just brought a lot to the table himself. But um, uh, Rich in the in the production crew did an amazing job just getting him comfortable and making sure we got what we needed out of the shoot. Well, kudos to them because those ads looked really, really well. They weren't. I shouldn't say they looked really professional. They were professional, and I was sure it was done by an outside agency. So that is kudos to your team. Yeah. So you're going to go out to Phoenix next year, then. 
I hope so. I hope so. Uh, you know, I hope that this partnership is going to be a really long lasting one. I think it's going to be really great for Sam. I know it's going to be great for us. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, we, we have a, we have a longevity to this thing. I know it's got a lot of legs from a campaign standpoint. So, um, I'm hoping that he's playing really well next year and that he's out there again. Well, good luck to you and good luck to good luck to Sam. And thank you for giving me this this great little story idea. I'm very grateful for it. Was I'm a golfer myself, so it was a lot of fun. I can tell, John. I like all your golf balls back there. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, it's kind of hard for you to those to miss. And I and there is a ball in there from TPC Scottsdale. Nice. Nice. So we want to thank Stephanie Wiki of Rider Systems for joining us today on Drilling Deep to talk about their new golf-focused marketing campaign with golfer Sam Ryder. You've been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts and Freight Waves TV here at Freight Waves. Uh, I'm your host, John Kingston, editor-at-large, and please join us again.